Welcome to the Seriously Sober Podcast with your host, Simone Douglas. Our guest today is Ali Michki from Made For More. She talks with Simone about motherhood, self-care, and how bosses aren't always leaders. So, hi, Ali. Thanks for joining me today on The Red Chairs and this episode of the Seriously Social podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. My absolute pleasure. So, tell me a little bit more about Made for More and what's brought you to The Red Chairs today. Yeah, awesome question. So, uh, how I ended up uh, founding Made for More was a few years ago, or, you know, nearly 15 years ago now. Actually, I uh, hung up my ballet shoes as a professional ballet dancer. Funding got cut here in South Australia, so I went out and got a real job. And uh, somehow, from my dance background, found my way in the banking and finance sector. And I absolutely loved it. I loved the people. I loved the challenge. I loved the teams that I worked with, and I really loved the work. And uh, as is normally the way, when you start doing a good job at something, you get promoted. So yeah. I found myself becoming quite successful, which was great. Uh, and then about 10 years ago, I was handed the keys to go and open up my own um, branch wow. and recruit my own team. I was yeah. in my very early 20s and full of enthusiasm and optimism and ready to conquer the world. So I went and did that and got to hand select my own team which was Mm -hmm. amazing in fact one of my team members is my husband and has been for the last 13 (laughs) years so I like to remind him of of that sometimes but then uh, the GSC hit Uh in um in SA and in Adelaide and of course banking and finance wasn't a great place to to be be. working uh back then so because the team was going so well they were all promoted and we were disbanded and then I was fronted and uh sort of shifted to another branch and was fronted with a wall of 14 women who were super unimpressed to see me, unimpressed with their current manager, with each other. They hated oh their job, hated yeah. them, hated just really, really toxic unhappy. situation, yeah. very unhappy. And that was probably my baptism of fire into, you know, leadership, tough mm-hmm. conversations, how it is that we can turn around toxic toxic cultures and toxic workplaces uh and then about five years ago i went and had four kids in five years so i've got four little Such boys a brave woman yes yes there's a lot of a lot of boys in my house yeah and uh that was a real i guess chance to reset and go okay well what am i going to be doing career-wise moving forward and that's where made for more came from yeah cool yeah it's um i find that whole thing about walking into toxic cultures in business really fascinating because i spent nine years working for alh group and that was my job was to fix broken pubs yep and it was always you had to start with the people if you if you couldn't open those lines of communication um you weren't going to get anywhere fast what kind of advice would you give to a business owner or a manager that has acquired or been sent into a business when they do walk into that wall of unhappy people where do they start yeah good really really good question and it is unfortunate sometimes probably more unfortunate when you are given or Mm -hmm. gifted or inherit (laughs) perhaps inherit um these types of teams but it certainly is something that you can work through and Mm. a lot of it is around um you know getting and building those relationships with people on a one-on-one basis finding out what it is that is making them tick um tiktok maybe Mm -hmm. uh finding out what it is that's making them feel so unhappy and how you can turn that around so finding out what their motivators are i talk a lot around love language you know Mm -hmm. what is it that they are missing because most people want to go to work 30 hours 40 hours have many hours a week and have a good time like no one's like you know what i really want is a job that i just hate yeah every day like no one's saying that so really um having some honest conversations with those people and then and then addressing the behavior rather than the person 
Yeah, no, that makes sense because what the first thing I used to do every pub that I used to go into is I would call a whole staff meeting and I'd ask every staff member to write me a letter. That I said, look, I'm going to read this and I'm going to action it, so I need you all to write me a letter and I want to know three things. Why do you choose to come and work at this hotel? Because you wake up every morning, you make a choice. You could go work at the hotel down the street or the one up the road, but you choose to work here and I want to know why. Why do you choose that? Uh, what are the three things that you hate about working here and how would you fix them if you were in charge? Mm, that's good. And then what are the three things that you absolutely love about working here that you don't want me to change? Yep. And I'd give them three days to like put some serious thought into it and I'd go, all of your letters need to be on my desk in three days. It's not negotiable. If I don't have one, I'll come asking for one. Uh, and it had this really interesting like ripple effect because what happened was because you'd pointed out to the staff that perhaps needed to leave, mm-hmm. um, they started thinking about the fact that they were choosing to come to work and be miserable. Yeah. And so they resigned because yeah. they decided that this was no good for them. Yeah. Um, but you also got some really fantastic ideas about how to fix the problems in the culture because you were actually interested in their points of view and opinions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was my favourite thing is to like bust it open by asking first. Yep. Um, but when I was very young, I used to go in there and go, "You're broken. This is stuffed." Ah. You know, like we'll call HR and get yeah. Comes a HR issue. I love that you use the letters to actually start a conversation around what could be fixed because I think that then you can also give and empower your teams to start coming up with solutions yeah. for those types of things, and then it's more led by them. What do you think is the biggest fear? Well, the most common fear that you encounter in leadership roles when it comes to those courageous conversations, like why do they avoid, why do we avoid them? Number one reason, and you, this won't be a surprise at all, is people are worried about making someone cry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, that's it. Oh, what if someone cries? Well, probably if you're going to confront someone about their behavior, they're more than likely going to cry. Going to cry. And Mm -hmm. that is absolutely okay. You know, crying's a release and um, very much part of what we're designed to do to release any emotions. And what I find is when someone does cry because they are being spoken to about a particular behaviour or action is it's kind of a release. Like it's mm-hmm. like they know deep down that the behaviour's been unacceptable or they've been yeah. waiting for someone to pull them up on it and it's finally happened and they're like, oh, thank God, mm-hmm. and the tears come out. But essentially that's what most people are worried about and why we avoid it. And then you, when you start thinking about how much time and energy you spend avoiding making someone cry and then when they cry then you can actually move forward that's the next step so it is it's interesting that that's that's the number one hang up for people when it's it's just crying you know people cry that's what happens it's absolutely okay I think it's it can be really confronting and difficult to sit still in the face of that and to have a I think to have a productive conversation when someone does cry because they're upset not because you're being horrible but just because like you said there's such a big emotional build-up sometimes when you're taking someone to task on something um the immediate response is to fix it for yeah. them. So I'm sorry, are you okay? But yeah. if you if you launch straight into that, they don't hear what it is that you needed to talk to them about because you got caught up in the fixing, I find. Yeah, and giving people the space, the, the person who's upset, giving them the space to actually feel those feels. So you, yeah. if as a leader, you can say something along the lines, you know, I can see that this has brought up a lot of emotion for you. You know, unpack that. You know, you feel that. Tell me what's going on in your mm-hmm. mind because their internal monologue or their head junk is, you know, going, "Oh my god, I can't believe I'm crying in front of my boss and yeah. this and that." And they've blown it completely out of proportion. They're just crying. It's, it's yeah, just tears. It's an emotion. It's a release of an emotion, and being able to hold the space for those people and just sit there and be with them while they are unloading 
all of these emotions that they've probably been holding on to for quite some time is some pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. So what are some of the things that as, as a leader, and I prefer the word leader actually to boss really, yeah. but if you're someone that's leading your team, whether it's in a business or whether you own a business, um, that can take a lot of mental and emotional toll in terms of holding space, holding energy, keeping everyone going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that you put in place for yourself when you were managing all these really large teams or even now to take care of that, take care of you? Yeah, certainly uh, I've improved this over time. Back in my back in my early 20s, I would say I was not good at it. I uh, yeah. pretty much survived on Red Bull and Twisties, which mm-hmm. wouldn't recommend, by the way. Uh, it, was not, it was not a healthy place. But I think, you know, we talk about self-care a lot more these days. It gets mm-hmm. a lot more airtime. And I think there's a common misperception that self-care needs to be a day at a day spa or, yeah. you know, like a weekend away or a luxury, a luxurious escape, mm-hmm. whereas it doesn't need to be that at all. So self-care is actually doing something solely and selfishly just for you. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, I've got four young kids. So if I can have like five minutes every day yeah. and it's around consistency as well. So five minutes every day where I actually get to have a hot cup of tea and I can enjoy that for yeah. what it is as opposed to just using it as a, a warm beverage um, mm-hmm. to drink. So actually have a bit of intention around it. Yeah. I also uh, practice gratitude daily. And I think that that has a huge, huge impact on my own mental well-being. So Mm -hmm. the more that you, as your reticular activation system goes, the more that you start focusing on all the things that you're grateful for, the happier you are. And I think as leaders, we need to be practicing that as our own own self-care practice, but it's our own responsibility to make sure that we are looking after ourselves first yeah so that we can lead everybody else yeah that makes total sense to me so about two weeks ago now i finally bought myself an infrared sauna like i've been waiting for nine years to get this thing just goes to show how good i am at putting off taking care of myself but i have this magical thing now the week that i have the kids because they're with their dad half the time so the week that i've got the kids i pick them up from school yep they come home because they're 10 and 13 now, so they don't really need my attention until tea time, nor do they want it half the time. Um, and I, I go and get in the sauna for half an hour. So, like, Beautiful. at 3.30 in the afternoon, and it's, amazing, like, quiet. No one's talking to me. My phone's not dinging. Things aren't happening. So that thing about, you know, just finding that quiet space to go actually my life is really good yeah you know isn't it amazing you know I saw this really beautiful thing or that really beautiful thing and and I I always got taught by my grandmother forever ago to find beauty and awe in tiny little things so whether it's the color of a plant or the way the sun hits the ground or whatever it might be yeah but yeah if you live in that space it's almost like um, buffering yourself with magic that people can't yeah really like get through or get past yeah water off a duck's back and yeah. i think what you said like you know there is so much in nature that you when you actually stop and think about it you're like actually that is fascinating and then yeah. the more you start noticing it the more you recognize it mm-hmm. in other places where you yeah. weren't even looking before and yeah there's a lot of good stuff going on yeah for sure what do you think uh is the biggest challenge in t- uh, what i'm finding is today in business it's almost our way of doing business is evolving so we always got told i got told in finance probably the same you know it's a numbers game here are your profit lines here are your margins what you've got to do here's your wage percentages etc 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 um and then i had my own businesses and i found that yes you need to be aware of all of those things but if you can get the culture right Mm. If, if the people within your teams know that they're the most important thing and that they make or break the success of the business, um, the, the rest of it takes care of itself. But that's not a natural 
place to start but it's becoming a natural place does that make sense yeah i think there's probably a lot more research that and a, a number of papers that have been written around how to improve culture because we know the culture mm. impacts high performance most businesses at some stage want to be high performing whether it's revenue building or impact it's essentially they want to be better at what they're doing so yeah. the number one contributing factor for high performance for teams is culture and then the one number one contributing factor for culture is leadership so if we can think about a waterfall effect so it starts yeah. with leadership then flows into culture culture then flows into high performance reverse engineer that we want high performance um, and really start focusing on that culture and then it's more around this is just the way that we do stuff so when you're building a culture of resilience and empathy it's you have to start practicing what it is that you want to be as opposed yeah. to being it before you start practicing it yeah no that totally makes sense too uh, i think one of the best pieces of advice i got given years ago when i was like in my 20s and first getting into management and really had no idea what i was doing yeah, who does? I, was, I wasn't a great people person back then i've learned a lot since then um but you know it was about uh, never be afraid to make yourself redundant. Yeah. That that's actually your job as a leader is to let everybody else shine so brightly yep. that you're surplus to requirements, really. Like, yes. you're still there and doing all these amazing things. But if you went and played with a bright, shiny object over there tomorrow, this would still have its own cohesiveness. Yep, 100%. So if you, as a leader, can empower your staff to take your job, that's amazing. That's an amazing show of leadership. What kind of advice would you give to the leader that's struggling to let go and is still living in a little bit of micromanagement land and, you know, yeah. like looking over people's shoulders a lot? What kind of advice could you give to them? Yeah, that's a tough one. And micromanagement is one of those things that we know we shouldn't be doing it, but somehow accidentally all of a sudden you are micromanaging. Yeah. So, yeah, letting go of the ego that's surrounded by needing to know how to do everything and mm -hmm. needing to know where everything's up to. And actually, you can do it as a test until um, you start to recognise that your team are, are fine without without you. So yeah. if you are a micromanager, actually actively start giving away some stuff, start delegating more actively and uh, not following it up. So just see what yeah, happens nice. and you can do it as a practice activity. And just watch your stress levels climb. And then be right, though, because then you work out that the sky didn't fall in. Yeah that the customers were still happy, that everything still got done yep. and you got something off your plate. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I find once once you build the empirical evidence, although then you've got, um, you know, like with personality profiling and things. Yep. So DISC is one that I work with a lot and my stress response or stress type is yep. high D. Yeah. And so I'll sometimes, if I've got too many things happening in all the businesses, I'll walk into my general manager tomorrow and I'll start firing questions and she just gives me a look now. Yeah. Yep. And I go, I'm doing the things, aren't I? And yeah. she's like, yeah, can you leave my office now, please? Oh, see, and that's okay. great that you've got that relationship where you can say, actually, yeah. you're going, you're coming in a bit hot, let's yeah. cool it down. And you can recognise that then that is what has happened. So I think that's really interesting what you said about the personalities and DISC on a high D as well, is the more that you know about yourself, the better you're able to regulate yourself. Yeah. So what you don't know, you don't know. Mm. Right? Um, so there's a whole bunch of resources you know there's this thing called google where anyone can find out pretty much anything and do a whole bunch of free um personality testing there's a great one that's based around myers briggs myers briggs called the 16 personalities oh, okay yeah. um it's free it's online it's beautifully written comprehensive oh, nice. beautifully illustrated and it gives such a comprehensive report um on your strengths weaknesses yeah. what kind of personality you are 
And I use that as one of my uh, tools for when I'm running workshops. And it's really interesting, especially new leaders. They're like, oh, I didn't know that this was unique to me. And that's kind of cool. And now here's my area that I need to work on. And I didn't know that that was a thing either. And um, it is the more that you know about yourself, the better that you're able to manage yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I found um, another tool that I discovered a couple of years ago that I found fascinating was the Gallup Strength Finder. Yeah. So... what that helped me to figure out was the missing elements that I needed to recruit for because they weren't my strengths as well so I think you do have to have that balance of you know understanding what your team's about understanding what you're about but it still does come back to those courageous conversations that you were talking about because you can have all of that knowledge and still live in a bubble yeah so if there's someone out there that's actually struggling to get their head around starting that how does someone go about working with you to kind of develop those skills the courageous conversations yeah yeah so i've got a a model or a five-step process that i talk through with people and we work work that through so it's basically like a circle circular model um and the first one is like figure out what the stories are that you're telling yourself so Mm. how much of it is fact and how much is it something that you've conjured up in your mind, you know, and um, a story that you've perhaps blown out of proportion, some assumptions that you've made. So get clear on what it is that's pretend in your head. Um, And then uh, we want to go on like a bit of a fact-finding mission. So find out what it is that what actually happened, Mm -hmm. what's true, what's not true, and actually gather some facts. Uh, And from there, we want to um, just keep building on that knowledge. So where is it that you want to be going? What do you want to plan out? Courageous conversations are very much resolution, solution focused. So cool. Yes, you're going to have a courageous conversation, but actually where do you want it to end? And then when you know where you want to end, begin with the end in mind, when you know where you want to end, then it's a lot easier to plan what it is that you want to say. I was recently talking to a friend who had to have a courageous conversation outside of the workplace um, where the family member had been Mm -hmm. excluded from an event or something like that. And I was like, okay, you know, what are you going to do? And she was saying, oh, I just want to find out why. And I'm like, oh, what will that get you? (laughs) She's like, oh nothing I'm like oh okay like is it maybe a better option yeah and what she actually wanted was you know to be included in all yeah. of these family things so when you start with that focus as in I want to have a courageous conversation so that I I'm get included, included yeah that's a very different conversation to I want to have a conversation why. to know why I was yeah. left out or why someone is doing this so yeah. begin with the end in mind and then holding that space what we talked about earlier so yeah. expect a response like tears expect a response of silence expect mm. you know you would know from um interacting with your team members what their response is going to be yeah so plan for that yeah. use the knowledge you've already collected and um respond that way but yeah begin with the end in mind is probably my number one tip yeah fantastic well ali thank you very much for joining us on thank the red you. chairs if you're uh looking to engage ali and make the most of her amazing services you'll find all the links in the various places at the end of the podcast or you can google made for more made for more or madeformore.com.au there you go fantastic thanks very much Thank you for listening to the Seriously Social podcast. See our website for more details at www.socialmediaaok.com.au slash podcast. Check the show notes for credits, music used in the program, and more details about our guests.